0: I'm Susie Anetta, Editor in Chief of Design Anthology. And in this episode of the podcast, I'm sitting down with designers Joyce Wang and Frank Lung and respected design writer Catherine Shaw to discuss emotion in design. <laughs> First of all I want to say a big thank you to the team um, at, at Liberty and Seoul and Bayer um, for hosting us and putting together a very beautiful pop-up um, and of course to our guests this evening. So to my direct left is Catherine Shaw who is a trained urban planner and um, is perhaps maybe more well-known these days for being a very well-respected writer and author. She is the author of the most recent book on Andre Fu's work, um, but regularly contributes to design anthology and wallpaper and several other very well-respected publications. So we're hoping Catherine's going to have some different perspectives on emotion-centred design tonight. To the left of Catherine is Joyce Wang of Joyce Wang Studio. Of course, is responsible for some of the most iconic Restaurants in Hong Kong as well as many other projects here and abroad. And last but not least at all is Frank Lung of Via Architecture who um, has quite a sizable team here working away um, quite quietly and modestly on some very beautiful projects. Um, So without further ado, let's get started. Tonight is a conversation about emotion-centered design. And I have a couple of quotes that I would like to read you and and have you respond to. So the first is a little long. It's um, a quote out of a book by Sarah Williams Goldhagen. I've just realised my face mask is still on. Sorry. (laughs) Um, The quote is, Good design, thoughtfully composed, ordering systems and patterns, sensually active materials and textures deliberately constructed sequences of spaces, create coherent places that have a powerfully positive effect on people. Urban spaces, landscapes, and buildings, even small and modest ones, profoundly influence human lives. They shape our cognitions, emotions, and actions, and even powerfully influence our wellbeing. They actually help constitute our very sense of ourselves, our sense of identity. The second quote is a little shorter, and it's one by my favourite philosopher, Alain de Botton, and it's from his book, The Architecture of Happiness, and it is. An ugly room can coagulate any loose suspicions as to the incompleteness of life. Perhaps starting with Catherine, I (laughs) would... (laughs) Oh, great. No pressure. I would love to have you respond to those. And maybe tell us um, what those quotes make you think, but maybe more importantly, because tonight is about emotion, what do they make you feel?
1: Well, um, I think the, f- the first thing is actually, you know, emotions and design functionality. Um, you know, this dialogue is nothing new. We've been designing spaces that we like to be in, you know, maybe instinctively in some cases... But I think what these quotes make me start to think is this shift towards more of the emotional understanding is what's happening now. And this history of us looking at design in terms of functionality, Um, that's not going to go away. It still has to function and be utilitarian, but it is definitely moving towards a much more sophisticated understanding about how to design um, for emotions, but in a quantitative way, understanding it better.
2: What do you think, Joyce? Um, I think emotive design, um, for me, goes back to the reason why I even started interior design. Um, It... At at a very young age, I think spaces gave me um, very deep feelings that I wasn't even aware of until after the fact of of visiting them. Um, And they can be, you know, feelings that you can't really qualify as a child. Um, You know, feeling really humbled in a space, feeling like a million dollars even when you're six years old and and having a space actually have the power to make you feel that um, is something that Got me into, I guess, this industry and and being passionate about design materials. Um, so I, I guess I'm glad that it's going in that direction, and I'm, you know, happy that there are more spaces that are responding to that that kind of a brief. Um, because with, you know, this kind of new normal, social distancing, you know, Instagram being kind of digitized, um, there is nothing more important than feeling connected emotionally and emotively, so. What would you say,
0: Frank?
3: Okay. Um, I think, um, especially, I, I'd like to pick up a little bit on the sort of internet age, and that where you we are so often, even through a design process, people are actually browsing through images without having been to certain places, and I think that element, I think in the past few years, have really changed a lot of how we design things but it does not take away from um like a very small book that i I, I read when i was going to school michael benedict my professor um for an architecture of reality which speaks a lot about um the the connection that you have when you're in that space in that light with that sound and and all of that so that quality is something that we place a lot of importance um, in when we're designing or in terms of architecture and in terms of the spatial arrangement to get the mm, people who will use the space to actually connect with the piece of design so um, that's, that's been something that's, that's becoming more and more important especially as the digital age uh, sort of uh, has, has come on to, to, to our daily lives.
0: I think that you've, yeah, you've raised a really interesting point there. So I, I wanna direct this specifically to Joyce and to Frank. Um, as designers of space, are you conscious of designing for a particular emotion for the users of those spaces when you're designing them? And is it something that you're conscious of through that process? Or do you think it's just sort of a natural outcome um, through the way that you work?
3: Um, we, I've always wanted the spaces that people feel great in, of course. Um, uh, delivering a sense of delight is something that we've always tried to do. But I think when we approach different projects, um, that sense, that emotion is very tailored for the particular location, a particular sort of group of users. Um, and the kind of interaction we'd like them to have with the space. Um, so, in the case of, uh, for example, the House of Madison, we've actually conjured up this idea of um, having a pre-existing structure that kind of maybe people would feel that there's something that had happened here before, and then also it intervened it into sort of intersects the space in some convenient and some inconvenient ways where sometimes you have to interact with it, sometimes you help; it helps you focus on the experience with you know, the, the retail. Um, and in other cases, we try to generate a sense of resort in the case of some of the clubhouses we're doing, um, using kind of really horizontal language to slow everything down. So for us, it's really, we look at a particular location, um, and the group of people who are using it and then kind of try to sort of adjust what we're trying to have the end product to feel uh, for the people who would engage with the space.
0: What about you, Joyce? Is it a conscious part
2: of the process for you? Um, For me, a great space um, is much like a great film Um, and spaces for me are like different genres of movies almost, you've got like, you know, um, spaces that make you feel, you know, differently or, you know, horror films, whether it's like sci- sci- sci-fi, um, and, and there's, you know, different compositions within the films and sequencing and music and, and different ingredients within, within it that culminates in that final kind of takeaway from the film, if you will, but, and a great interior has to, for me, um, make people think beyond the interior. So when they leave, um, the biggest reward for me is for them to really talk about it or think about it or, you know, go back and realize something different about it, even if it's a very simple and and modern design. Um, Because then I feel you're really taking people on a journey um, beyond the extent of the space itself, Um, whether it's through learning, through, um, you know, feeling great about themselves or, um, learning something new about, you know, the person near you, um, and I think, yeah, that, that emotion, um, and I think that, that comes from a place where, um, my parents have always enjoyed movies, and to see them derive so much satisfaction from that, but also not really understand, um, the design industry that I, I am in, um, I find that when my work is able to elicit a sense of emotion or hap- get them, you know, talking about it afterwards, that, that gives me a, a, a lot of a lot of joy, yeah.
0: Do you think that, that the fact that they've had some kind of an emotional response to it means that they've connected with it in a deeper level? Do you think that that's what that means?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think um, in the studio, um, we are very open to ideas and... Um, sometimes we don't even, we can't pinpoint, you know, whose idea, um, it's come from, but when it's expressed in a space and somebody picks up on it, I think there's something really magical about that, um, in an unexpected way, whether it's, um, you know, for example, an Equinox hotel, it was all about the space and Edmund went to shoot that for us. Actually, um, it was all about it being provocative, masculine, um, exhibitionist, um, And and when somebody descends a staircase and runs their hand along, you know, like twisted metal and it makes them, you know, feel kind of like dynamic and and muscular and toned, you know, that that's um, something really exciting because it, it just elevates that that experience all that more. Yeah.
0: And Catherine, obviously, is a writer and an author and, dare I say, a critic of design. And yeah, I mean that in person. the most <laughs> professional way, not in a critical way, but um, in the best way possible uh, of, of architecture and interiors and products. Are you aware when you're experiencing those spaces and those objects, how y- how you're emotionally responding to them? Is it something that you try to incorporate in your work? And... and Maybe as a second question, how do you learn how to articulate that?
1: that? That is the key thing is because the the language to describe these feelings um, is not very well developed and it's extremely difficult to, to do this. And I, I, I always say to people, I won't write about a place if I haven't been there because then I'm just rewriting your press release. I have to walk into the space and go, how do I feel in it? I had have to, I prefer to walk with the architect through the space, and and because while he's walking or she's walking through the space, you know, like, you know, the Prado Daciana, um, you know, Rem Koolhaas down on his hands and knees pointing at some very clever little metal thing that he's done, you know, where you suddenly, he would never talk about that in an email exchange. And it's you walk into a space and you go, oh, and an architect will go, yes, that's what I wanted to do. So I I think that's that is something I try and capture, but it's extremely difficult because the words are not really developed. And it's interesting because um, you know there there is a whole new body now of research um, in environmental psychology, where um, architects are actually working with trained professional psychologists to understand how people feel in spaces and i'm i'm doing a lot of reading about that and trying to find a way of taking some of the scientific terminology and use that in a way that expresses how people feel when they're in a space because the other thing is of course we all feel differently you know just because someone has designed a very comfortable um, hotel room doesn't mean that everyone walking in is going to like it because some people want to walk in and have something so crazy, brutal, you know? That's, that's what excites them. That's their m- memory of emotion. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult because, like you, you said it, you're designing for a very specific market. So when I go into like a space that you've designed, you know, I understand that and I'm trying to explain that in words.
0: Actually, I'd like to go back to something that you touched on before about us living in a very digital world and I think that's something that we've all become very um, (laughs) radically aware of this year, for want of a better word, Uh, and you know I think this whole the Instagram thing which you know I think we all have maybe a love-hate relationship with Instagram particularly in our industry Uh, you know I wonder whether the design of spaces has has almost kind of been left to just how it looks and I wonder whether the other senses are being left out and when they aren't left out I wonder if that is what allows people to emotionally engage with the space Um, What would you say to that? That,
3: that, That's one of the biggest challenges of what we're dealing with today, I think. And so I'd always go back to this uh, sensation of reality. And again, um, uh, going back to that favorite little book that I talk about, it was dissected into several elements. Something that has to have presence, um, something that has to have a certain significance You know functional or relational significance Um, materiality is very important and then there's certain things interestingly uh, uh, pointing out two ideas of emptiness things that are not there Um, and um, so when we actually look at uh, i i think in our work referring more to different clubhouses of different locations and i look at hong kong at as a um, very distinct uh, enclaves of, of, of um, different locations that have completely different characters. What we're doing in Yunlong, for example, we would look very much into um, sort of the village courtyard house typology using re- upcycled bricks. I, um, so these things that have uh, both a material dimension and a, and a kind of um, heritage and cultural meaning to them. Um, but, of course, interpreting them in in a slightly more modern uh, uh, ways of doing things. And because we are both um, orchestrating the architectural composition as well as the interiors, we were able to, in that particular instance, break it down into pavilions and surround it in a courtyard much in the same fashion as you would have done it in a traditional courtyard house. Um, These are elements that are you know when we look at the renderings of that of that project and we would try to convey the idea to the client they were excited, but I understand full well um the the sort of um i would say the power of that project you just would not get it until it's all built and now it's eighty five percent and you know our team goes on site and with all this sort of brick pavilions there and the translucency and the porosity and in different lights and then next week the landscape came in and you have a different sound you have a different vibe and then probably in a month's time the lighting comes in and so all of these things um, uh, I think it's there is this element in the designers mind that actually at the design stage you know even we try our best to communicate it's it's really not fully uh, uh, conveyed in words or in images, Um, but so it's the materiality, it's the tactile qualities that we always have to resort um, back into, um, being the main uh, elements uh, that carries that emotion and uh, facilitate that interaction with the users.
0: I feel like a whole other conversation about renderings <laughs> could could happen, but maybe not tonight. Um, so, but, uh, Joyce and Catherine, would you like to add or respond yeah, to that? I actually want way? to
2: respond to the rendering but um, <laughs> um, I feel like we've benefited as a studio. Um, if I reflect on the renderings that we used to do than the renderings that we do now, actually, very simply of how we represent our work to clients to, um, you know, to, to represent what we want the end product to look like. We've actually started designing um, to the vignette of an Instagram image, if you will. And I, and I find that to be um, really a pattern in the in the last six months, actually, within the studio, where we're looking at, you know, maybe even from an angle that Edmund would shoot you know, just just focus on that one little angle. You know, what does that wood grain feel like? How, do, how does the light hit that part of the room? And then once that's right, actually, then the, the rest of the room kind of comes together. But we've not really ever rendered to that scale before. And it's always been about, oh, let's capture as much of the space as possible. Let's try to like design everything and put everything and make sure everything looks right all together. But like, when, when you know, Three vignettes within the room come together. That's more powerful, actually, than than seeing the whole thing somehow. Because um, that's actually how you perceive the world, right? And and when you're taking an Instagram shot, it's often you know the food against the the, s- the table setting that that's captured your eye. So from us, you know, from a design perspective, we're almost taking the end and then using that as as a reference point to design from. So that's been a positive i guess (laughs) trying to be positive about this whole shift yeah Uh, I, i have
1: to ask something so um then when you're designing a space and in your mind what is the most important emotional element is it lighting or is it textures
2: I think lighting has to come first. Um, there's no point to have texture when there's no light. Like I always say, like, well, what's the point of designing this when there hasn't, there's no light to actually highlight it or, or to do, to, to add that dimension within within the space. So I, I actually, I, we've we've learned a lot of lessons the hard way where we'll go into space and we've spent a lot of time detailing something, but then nobody appreciates it because we haven't thought about the lighting. And I feel like that's probably one of the biggest disappointments when we've we've realized, oh, you know, should have really cared more about the lighting. Because that, that doesn't yeah. come across on Instagram and
1: stuff. Mm-hmm. You you capture a moment, but spaces are different. Where, you know, most of them are different. If you go in in the morning, if you go in in the afternoon, I mean, if I'm traveling to say, go and see a, um, an art museum in China, You know, they'll take us on the media thing in the morning. Everything's beautiful. I'll always go back in the afternoon, and then I'll go back at night because I want to see what it looks like at night. And when it's illuminated as opposed to natural daylight, it's very different. But then it's interesting. I think actually emotionally, um, lighting is probably the first thing we sense when we go into a space, and it sort of sets the scene before you notice the beautiful detail but so when you when when you're both designing that must i mean you you know everyone seems to design especially at the moment you know we see everyone with mood boards mood boards mood boards mm-hmm. you know and i know they're important but those are all about materials and and but you have to already be in a space. And you you have ar- I think you already make up your mind, if you like a space, before you come in and feel the, the yeah. sofa or the bed or something.
2: Yeah, I remember when we were working on the Roosevelt Hotel in L.A., we had compiled an entire material board off-site. And then when we had brought it into the space and saw the materials within that light, in that context, none of it worked. It was this revelation of you can't really design out of context got to consider you know that microclimate of you know how the sunlight hits the room um, you know what makes sense within that space Mm.
0: and I think a lot of it also maybe to add to what you were saying is the time of the day that a space will be used as you say if something needs to transition from morning to evening how does it do that and how does the mood change how do you feel in that space Um, but yeah that sort of also leads on to my next question which is how do things like colour and texture and materiality play and and do you find symbolism in objects and shapes while you're designing do you think that that has a part to play in how people emotionally will respond to a space because you know obviously there is a hundred and well I was going to say 101 chairs out there but there are clearly millions more chair designs so how do you how do you make a decision I mean I'm sure that comfort is part of that I'm, I'm sure that that affects the emotional response of a user in a space, but is there is there symbolism in objects
3: I think there there, there people tend to associate things with certain ideas or certain things, but we um we when we're selecting objects in a space, yes, we would go in in a sense thematic to the space that we're designing, yes. Um, you know, like in the case of kind of this heritage condition, we've asked for collaboration with a, a, a whole host of Hong Kong artisans and craftspeople, uh, from ceramic to some of the specific, ma- uh, specifically made furniture pieces or artwork. Yes, um, did we go for what it's, what those items symbolizes? I'm I'm not sure. It's all a kind of an orchestration of a an overall experience, um, that and and I suppose one other element to 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 add to what Catherine and Joyce were saying, there are there are so many elements when we're coming up with a design that's not only hard to convey to a client, it may even be hard to convey to my team, because things like light, which you can hardly present is as difficult as the experience um, through that space that um, for me has is is a big driver to what goes where because of this vantage point you 're looking at a certain wall or you're then uh, framed by a certain landscape elements and so on and um, so i'm I'm much more in, in a sense kind of walking through the space. And defining or deciding what I want to see and what I want people to see or to use, rather than uh, putting much emphasis on whether that has a symbolism or symbolizes any, any particular uh, idea or, 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 or you know, anything like that.
1: You must be. You must be sending messages through your choice of materials, decorative elements. You're signifying luxury. Um, there are so many subliminal messages that you get when you walk into a space. Like, ah, this is this. And maybe I think we, we in in the design industry, it's so natural f- for us to think and to. To look at those things that we don't actually even recognize that we're setting up these symbolic markers telling people. It's it's quite manipulative, and, and actually, if you think about it, you know, designers now are, are using this in in prisons, in hospitals. They're using them in psychiatric hospitals. In in Sweden, there's this amazing study that's just been done about how how. Severely ill people behave better with certain design elements in a room, like nature-inspired um, artwork, or a bigger window, or a choice of where to sit. So, you know, you're, you're sending messages, maybe not not consciously, but you are actually, as a designer, you're telling people how to use a room.
3: In 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 response in a way to that in, in that same project not so much in objects but in the use of colors we did orchestrate um, th- there was kind of a um, uh, imagining the space being used throughout the day and associate the colors associating with different times of the day for example the sort of evening spaces are, we've actually applied darker hues and the blues and the aubergines for instance um, um, but not 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 so much the objects i mean i i i I think you're absolutely right I mean these objects do trigger different responses in, in in people's minds and how they do things yes um uh but that's something we may become more and more conscious the next time around
2: would you like to add yeah, to that um i I read quite a lot into symbolism i guess and um You know, if if the leg of a chair is extruded versus like tapered, it means something quite different. And it's almost a language that you're trying, a a new language that you're trying to create, um, you know, in a space. And um, you know, for example, at Mott, that staircase that that takes you down that was inspired by um, uh, this Parisian apartment. and it's a very well-known image. And I think when, when you take that and put it out of a context, it, it, it means something familiar, but then um, it also surprises people because it's used in a, in a different way. Um, so we, we try to juxtapose that with material. So, you know, hence the, the Flint collection, um, how you take something that is terrazzo and, and so, Pedestrian that it appears like in MTRs, but then then put it in your hand and have it as a a valuable kind of object instead that can be appreciated and you know held within the palm of your hand. You know that there's there's something really powerful about taking something that's understood a certain way historically, but then um, you know through design it, tweaking it because um, I, I really do feel a, a lot of great design has already been done. So if if you're able to tweak it and, and have people look at it in a, in a slightly different way, then, then it contributes to that new language that you're trying to, to create. Um, and it comes through in colours and materials and textures. Yeah, I mean, I, re- I really love the sound of that walking
0: out of a space and, and hopefully rethinking something because you've presented it in a different way. It may have had a sense of familiarity. Um, but I'd love to hear what you think about perhaps the role of, say, the handmade or craft within a space or a product and, you know, how that can kind of draw people in and, again, perhaps subliminally um, connect
2: with a space or an object. We rely so heavily on craft. Um, I would say almost none of our ideas would be... um, possible without people who who can make you know make beautiful finishes and and furniture and um, so it's something that we um we really value and it it, it comes through really early on in the design process you know who are some of the artisans that we want to work with on this project and involve them right from the beginning you know to think about um you know the finishing on wood. Maybe it, it's it's you know treating it with salt and and having that actually play into the story, um, and how it ages, ages that finishing, um, and you know it creates something, something new. And I, th- I think when when somebody really cares about their craft, it it again elevates the design in an unexpected way that you can draw it, but. Um, there's something about somebody who really cares about their craft elevating your design to something that, you know, is completely unexpected. Um, Would you agree with that, Frank? Oh,
3: absolutely. I mean, um, but the way we um, are able to to expose or kind of exhibit craft in our projects may, may differ, but, I mean, I think the value on... Um, especially letting people see that there's human hand through the process of something it's, it's something that I find connects with people instantly I mean you recognize something that has been um, y- you know achieved only through hours and hours of work um, um, maybe lo- some of the spaces we do are probably a little bit more I would say architectonic simply because the gestures are sort of maybe bigger maybe not zoomed into refinement or fine details uh, as much as some other um, pieces but for instance in the House of Madison that wire mesh arch um, a lot of engineering to use it almost like a fabric and, and, and detail it and um, so it's not only craft but like the process of engineering something to to have it for example in that case the slim profile that people often wonder wow this is something I haven't seen and Behind that wondering is the understanding that someone must have spent a lot of effort to make this happen. And that's for us is very important in the work that we do.
0: And what about you, Catherine? I mean, you've obviously visited a number of studios and workshops and factories and other spaces where products are being produced and handmade and creative studios across the world. Um, you know how much do you think that that sort of craft and the handmade and even just yeah having human minds behind something really comes through to create something that's quite unique and emotionally connective
1: yeah i i mean i think it's absolutely critical but i'm very wary of it being uh, the experience being manufactured it's too easy i think for a designer to just well, it used to be easy to pop over to Kyoto and just, you know, go to a couple of design stores, buy some absolutely beautiful pieces and put them in a room. Job done, but not really. You know, that's a, at a very, it's at quite a superficial level. I think it's designers who who do think about, yes, you can bring in pieces, but working with local craftspeople, turning to what is of that culture and celebrating that in in the design sometimes very quiet tiny little details you know be like someone who's maybe you know working with steel and they've they've done the legs of the chair or something like that might not be so obvious but i think that's more sophisticated more layered and then over time As users of a space, we become more sophisticated and more aware of those. And it's like that subliminal thing. You walk away and you think, I loved that coffee cup. I loved that. And you do want to recreate that experience of having been in the room. It's about memories, right? It's not just about that nice thrill of walking in and going, I love it. You know, it's all beautiful. It's about really how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Making a memory in your mind. I, I, I know you can't do that with every single space and every single surface, but it's about not manufacturing it. And 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 it's a bit like when you walk into a a space and um the the architects all the designers have curated the books. I just want to like run away screaming <laughs> because like that's what they think we want to be seen to be reading, but it's their choice, and you can see it, and it's always the same books. And it's like, no, no, I want to see something more personal or or thought-through. So, yeah, uh, my radar of, um, you know, I hate to say it, but it really is the sort of bullshit radar of going into a space and feeling like, okay, someone's ticked the craft box here. And now on the press release, it's all gonna be about curated and, and and craft. And again, the words are not there to properly express what it's like to work with local people and how they were brought in early on, what they contributed and why that imbues the space with a different feeling.
0: Yeah.
2: I yeah. wanna go back to what Frank said about the presence of the hand as well. And I think I shared this with Susie a while ago. Um, I was the PowerPoint girl for Norman Foster for some years, very proud of that. Um, and at the time it, he requested um, and the, these are powerpoints that would you know help hopefully you know win win projects of massive scale like airports and things and um, on a lot of the slides he would request for the human hand to appear. Um, and I always wondered how we, you know it wouldn't just be the model, but you know that the hand would be presenting the model or working on it or. There'd be some some presence of a human and I think, you know, what you said about the space and feeling feeling the you know, maybe that's what craft is that you feel the presence of, of humanity when, when there is no one around. Um, and that then becomes a spirit of the room. Otherwise it you know, I guess that's why we put plants into spaces and um, feel that's important. Yeah,
0: so I feel like there's so many more questions that I could ask you, but I'm, I'm going to contain it to just one more and then see if anyone in the audience wants to ask you anything else. Um, so my final question is, you know, this year has been... Extraordinary, unprecedented, challenging, all of those things. We've all spent so much more time in our own homes than I think we perhaps ever have before. Uh, I would love to know from each of you what you've really valued and appreciated about your own private space this year. <laughs> Maybe Frank. <laughs> You're looking the most bewildered. <laughs>
3: hmm. Um, well, I think. It's For me, it's a, a reconnection with a lot of the things that I've always thought would bring balance to, um, I guess, living as a designer. Um, I've been, for example, reading incredibly more than usual, I've been able to exercise a lot more, I've been able to hike, and all these things. And so it's not one space, really. Um, but uh, interestingly, uh, I bought a new sofa, you know? So you, you you look at the space that you're in and you go, huh, I can be living with this for so long and not really spotting that there's a problem. <laughs> um, and and so for me, it's all really, really refreshing. Um, um, I've, we've been chatting over there um, just now about the fact that even in the studio, which is actually, I think, arguably I spent more time in than, than home, Um, um, People have spent so much time being around that it's really nice, the communication, you're able to actually uh, uh, sit and and, and talk and chat and deliberate a lot more um, than it was before when everybody's trying to catch the next taxi to the next meeting just across town and all this kind of, I would now call it wasted time. And it's all now being here together. And so that sense of togetherness and hearing people around you, for me, it has been a fantastic year. Um, I'm I'm becoming so accustomed to Zoom meetings. I'm going to refuse uh, to actually travel to clients' offices. So that's uh, for me.
2: Cooking and baking for sure. <laughs> um, uh, maybe time time with kids as well. I mean, like. Um, food for me is more important than design in many ways I feel like there's no point designing a great restaurant when the food isn't good so having had the time to like you know make my own nut butters and like you know uh, g- get great ingre- I think that that's also been a positive thing out of this this whole period that we do we do have access to better su- supplies of um, ingredients um, um, a lot of the Um, suppliers now kind of opening up doors to like ordering ingredients online just means that you can be all that much more creative at home um, and I've really, really enjoyed that.
1: (laughs) I have not been baking at (laughs) all. (laughs) Um, For me, so I, I work from home anyway, but it has been a very different experience this year and I found for me comfort has been absolutely critical i'm anything in the house that doesn't feel comfortable or make me feel really happy i'm like it's a pandemic we're getting rid of it <laughs> it also helps that my husband's been away for 6 months so <laughs> he's coming home to a completely new layout <laughs> but i have i have felt this need to clear clear stuff like opening cupboards and just going, I, I'm not traveling, I'm not using those things. I, I feel like it's not time f- for to be totally frivolous and, and constantly doing stuff. I want it clear and I want it to be comfortable. So if something is 80% but not 100% making me feel like that, it's, it's gone.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> Poor Alistair, when he gets home. <laughs> he doesn't know. Uh, yeah, we won't. We won't tell him. We'll wait till he gets back to wear this. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions for any of our panelists or for the whole panel, even perhaps?
3: A burning question: <laughs> uh, What about sound? Is that because I, have, I haven't hear you talking about sound and uh, uh, talking about materiality? Colors, textures, uh, icons. But I think it's very interesting now that, I mean, as you, you say, you mentioned light and how different it is when you, you walk in a space and it evolves with light. But uh, I think, is it something that should be more considered in architecture and interior designs, like the quality of sound in a space or, or the addition of sound in a space? And, and should the architect and designers, interior designer, seize that opportunity? now and not leave it as an afterthought. That was my burning question. Very
0: good
2: one.
0: Mm-hmm. Who wants to tackle that first? <laughs> I, mean.
2: uh, I would interpret that maybe in a couple of ways with, with, um, you know, one of the masters, Tony Chi, he, he once said designing space for him was about creating rhythm. And I really, um, since he said, I've, I've really related to that um, whether it's rhythm and it could be materiality and and people experiences experience spaces like slow spaces and also fast p- spaces and and much like, you know what kind of rhythm do you want that person to feel and I think that comes with you know the sound aspect as well. Um, Do you
1: do you have a soundtrack for your projects in your head? <laughs>
2: oh, we've we've made we've we've done them, but they've not always played them. <laughs> <laughs> well, even lighting, like we'll be we'll be tweaking at one end. And once we leave the room, the client comes and like yeah. tweaks it again. And
1: so do you go back and reorganize things when you go back into projects?
2: Yeah. Love it.
3: <laughs> um, I a lot of our s- recent spaces are. Um, these um just covered but connected with outdoor kind of space, and um, we've been asked m- more than ever to design these sort of non no man's land in a way because it's not strictly interior but it's the architects kind of left off you know at the facade um, and and that actually gave us a lot of i would say um New insight into sort of literally bringing the outdoors in, and while you're in these spaces, you're actually fully aware that you are actually in the environment, and you take that in. And I think that is becoming a very interesting element to to what we do, and to to the extent where, for example, the, the pavilions project that I mentioned, some of the spaces are, can be sort of fully open up to the elements when it's when it allows. Um, so that for us is an interesting thing that ha- I think it helps you again connect with the environment uh, around you.
0: And then there's acoustics, which is a whole other thing altogether together in Hong Kong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do we have any other questions? No? Well, a huge, huge thank you to Frank, Joyce and Catherine. It's been an absolute pleasure to be hosting an event but with you three especially and thank you all for coming for being such a great audience and to kate and um ada and um and lois and all of the organizers here it's yeah thank you for hosting